Gorgeous George and Goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes reporting for duty on a Wednesday night for your Thursday morning delivery. Excited to talk to you for the next hour or so as we discuss the latest in mixed martial arts. Lots to go over, lots of news, lots of nut jobs out there just chirping. And I'll tell you what, man, this can go one of two ways, Goes. I can turn into a nut job myself. Or who knows, maybe I'll just chill out by the time we get going. We have an interview with Grant Dawson. We're going to do that. And then, of course, talk about everything that's lined up for this weekend, including PFL and Bellator on Friday, UFC on Saturday. We'll reset. I'll try and calm down. I don't know. And then uh, we'll start the show. Alright, goes. What do you want, man? You want nut job, GG, or you want me to chill? I don't think you can chill, so I'll take nut job. What the hell is Juliana Pena talking about? Like, on the one hand, I appreciate that the stuff that comes out of her mouth does get a reaction out of me. And I think she would make an excellent heel. By the way, I think she's obviously a great fighter. She's won a belt. She beat the GOAT when no one else could, regardless of what we may think. The GOAT wasn't into it or whatever. Amanda Nunez, she beat her, right? She beat her and she finished her. So there's some stuff that Juliana Pena is saying that it's hard to not at least give her credit. But then what I don't like goes is when they go overboard, you know? And, dude, she's almost acting like Nunez, Harrison, Ronda, cyborg you know like if they were able if they were all to ever get together before Pena even walks into the room they should throw rose petals at her feet or something like she really thinks she's king Joff, joffy or whatever from coming to america or something um but what you know i can tell when someone's just maybe saying something or someone firmly believes it because this has been juliana Pena even before she was champion she was always a little bit of a chirper, you know, and I, I found it to be a little bit interesting, to tell you the truth. But, boy, mm-hmm. out of control these last few days. It's borderline Colby Covington-esque in the mm-hmm. sense that it just is almost like pro wrestling, the angle that she's taken. Um, it's okay to give your opinion. It's okay to even be a little controversial. But you got to keep it real at the end of the day. Like, we're not morons. You know, you have to make sense. And what she's saying is not making sense. It's not making sense at all, man. She was making fun of the 145 pound division. She said that's the division they created for the gals that can't make 135. Um, but, you know, she might be right. Like, let's say Macy Shasan, she's actually struggled with making 135. You know, I, I could see her, you know, applying that to her, for, you know, for example. But Chris Cyborg, come on. That's like an awesome 145-pounder. You saw the struggles to get to get to 140. I'm glad she never tried that again. This was when we wanted her and Ronda to, to fight, whether she was going to go to 35 or they're going to meet at 140 or whatever. Chris Cyborg's a proper 145-pounder. Starting with her, you know, Amanda mm-hmm. Nunes beat her and then she had some title defenses. She tried. They just didn't give her enough opponents. Finish Plus, it. it's really difficult to be a champ champ, to tell you the truth. But, um, you know, she's saying that she's saying, you know, that she won up Nunes. Mm, the most she can say is we're tied advantage me because I finished her. But because Nunes gave her a pretty good ass whooping over 25 minutes knocked her down quite a few times there's a lot of people convinced that amanda was playing with her food that night and could have finished her if she wanted to 
but she didn't, you know. But what I can't see is her being up one. I could see her being advantage me, tiebreaker me, whatever she wants to play that card. I think you said it yourself. Somebody finishes, that outweighs the decision. This may be the anomaly because, again, someone looked horrible one night while, and then took an ass whooping in the second fight. But whatever, you know, excuses, excuses. Just, I don't know. But, but Juliana's around and Nunez isn't, so we already heaped our praise on Nunez. And it looks like Juliana will be fighting uh, Raquel Pennington probably for the vacant title. And I, I guess if she wins that, she can thump her chest a little. Mm-hmm. I think uh, most of the time that does make sense. But when you have a situation like, you know, like Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz, right? Nate Diaz got the finish. He got a choke. But in the second fight, that was a toss-up, that decision. It, uh, this is a little different. You know, it, uh, yeah, the second fight went to decision, but it was an ass-kicking. This is one where if you ask me w- which side would you rather be on, I think I'd rather be the one that got finished than be the one that made it to decision but got bludgeoned the way she did. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not that's, – that's where I'm saying, like, you have to keep it real. And you have to make sense because people watch right. these fights. We're not idiots. We we watched it. Uh, that that's just not that's not the noise you make after taking a beating like that. Do enough to draw the champ out so you can get your trilogy belt. So you can how can I say this? Uh, you know, cash in. Get the fight. You know the get get create the big fight that you want but mm-hmm. keep it real like for example i might if i'm julian Pena, i might throw it back in everyone's face and go hey amanda phoned it in that's what y'all are saying guess what i phoned it in on the second one i know what you're talking about because i made all that money i phoned it in so guess what she didn't beat the best julian Pena. let's do the third fight at least you at least you can go well shit she looks so bad it did look like she phoned it in whether she did or didn't, she's the only one that knows the truth. But come with us with something that makes sense, something that will get under the, the champ's skin. I will say this, though, goes. She's almost better off letting Amanda go, sail off into the sunset, fight Raquel Pennington, if it's them two, win the title, and then see if you can lure Amanda out. You know, you can say whatever you want, but lure her out once you're the champ and you get the pay, pay-per-view points. You see what yeah. I'm saying? If she were to fight Amanda, she was just going to be the, the the challenger. Here's your 500 grand to show or whatever, or maybe 250. You know, it all depends. And that's it. Nunes is the one that cashes the big check if they do it that way. But now that she's out and she has a chance to win the belt, hey, you know, that that you have a chance to really change your life. I think let Amanda go and then focus on winning the title and then start chirping. Maybe she can draw her out. You know, you can say she ran from me. And and paint whatever narrative you want at that point. Yeah, I mean, that, like, like you said, there's so many ways of tackling this. You know, uh, hey, look, you had your bad night. I had my bad night. You you say mm-hmm. you want to challenge yourself as a champion? Well, we have unfinished business, and let's you know prove every prove to everybody that you can do this, and then let's get that third fight done. Like you could totally. There's so many other ways of doing it. Except the way she did. That just, it's it's too, it's kind of cringy, actually. Mm-hmm. It is. Um, but, like I say, she's doing her job. She's making us talk about it, and we are. But uh, there's a point where, like, Cejudo goes, was cringy. But a lot of us are still going, man, that's a badass over there. Like, you know, mm-hmm. an Olympic gold medalist with two titles and two title defenses. He walked away on his own terms, and even when he came back three years later, he gave Aljo one hell of a fight. That guy's got footing. He's got footing where he stands on. He can say those things. Juliana's been a little bit more shaky. She doesn't have those credentials. She won tough. She beat Amanda on a bad night, it looks like. Didn't even get the one title defense. And in that one title defense that she came up short on, got thumped. She just doesn't have those type of accolades. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, and let's not even forget that Cejudo can boast about being 1-1 with Demetrius Johnson, just like the other one can boast about being 1-1 with Amanda Nunes. But when we saw him beat Demetrius Johnson, 
None of us thought Demetrius Johnson had a bad night. We just thought, man, Cejudo rose to the occasion, and he, out, you know, he he outperformed them, got the decision. It's different. It's just, it's a little bit different, a uh, different level of cringe, and 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 uh, I think it's going to start to, you know, if she's not careful, she's going to get clowned a lot. She's going to get clowned a lot, and a lot of people don't like to get clowned like like that. No, Ronda did not like to get clowned. I don't know what Juliana's skin is like, but at some point, you know. Like I say, and Colby's another one that cringy, but backs it up. You know, he's only lost to the top dog in the know. cage and with facts too, right? Like that's that's the thing is if you're gonna be cringy, but you have facts on your side, then mm-hmm. you kind of have more room to wiggle. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Colby, when he's really corny, you can tell that he's being really, really corny. You know, like it, there's a, I don't I don't know how to explain it, that, but there's ways of doing it. Pena comes off as just someone who's batshit crazy. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you know, you don't, I don't know, take her, you find ways to maybe not take her serious. I mean, she's 11 and 5. That's not the greatest record of all time. She's suffered some losses along the way. She's got some really nice wins, though. Kat Zinganu, Jessica I, both title challengers, Nico Montana, a, a, a world champion. You know, and Sarah McMahon, a silver gold medalist, she was a title challenger as well. Amanda Nunez, it's nice, but she sits at eleven and five. Like it's it's not, you know, Islam Makashev or something like that who's sitting at right. twenty four one. Yeah, that's not a, that's barely a good record. Speaking of Islam Makashev, he's tripling two goes. He's wondering how John Jones is the number one pound for fighter, pound for pound fighter, and. And how's Jones number one? And how Makashev's wondering how he's not. And mm-hmm. I'm thinking it's a little early, pal. You just won the title uh, less than a year ago. Your first title defense was a featherweight. And by the way, that was a close fight. So yes, twenty-four and one, legit, no problem with that. Um, but do you you do realize there's other champions in the UFC that have done some stuff? Sterling twenty-three and three. Three title defenses. Usman, 20 and three. Five title defenses. Leon Edwards, 21 and three. One title defense, but two wins over Kamaru Usman. You know what I'm saying? I can I can keep going. Israel Adesanya, Demetrius Johnson, Alexander Wokanovsky all have more impressive stats than Islam Makashev. So pick on any of them before you even get to Jones, who's got 11 title defenses, uh, two titles, by the way, and zero losses. Like, how, how did you even have the nerve to, to question this? When people say things like this, it honestly makes me question so much about them as a person. Because, like you said, it's not even like there's one person that you're battling. Like You're battling a lot more people who have better uh, resumes than you. You know, like how, how do you not see that? Like, you haven't even cleared out your division yet. Right. Like, that makes no sense at all. So... Was this the first time he ever said that? And when he when he got, you know, back to his room or wherever he was, I'm sure people sat him down and said, "You know what you said was crazy, right?" Mm-hmm. Or does he say these things, but he's surrounded by people that are going, "You're right, champ." You know what I mean? Like, I, what? What? I, I'm fascinated by people who say things like this. He he's only beaten Oliveira. He hasn't beaten, uh, you know, Poirier, Gagey, uh, anyone else that's there i mean he's just not there yet like he beat hooker and green on the way in beat Oliveira, okay but now this is where you're where the where it gets a little bit tougher and your first title defense was a featherweight who gave you one hell of a fight calm down is on marker stuff is all i gotta say mm-hmm. if i didn't have both palsy i think i'd even go more berserk because it'd be easier for me to get the words out but i'm telling you man i was reading some of these things and just going <laughs> what is going on here? Shaking my head. How about Patricio Frady? Okay, he does look lean. He looks fit. He looks like he's ready to go. He's a beast. He rises to the occasion 95% of the time. He's only had a few losses. And he's beaten some really good fighters. You, can, you, you can't play the Bellator card on him. He's beaten some good fighters. He doesn't give you fighters. any shit performances either. Exactly. And look, if I had to bet my house... 
this weekend, I would take him over Sergio Pettis. But we don't know how he's going to react going to 135, what his body's going to feel like, or anything. You know, a lot of fighters, sometimes when they make those, those moves, it just doesn't work out. But I still feel good enough that I think Patricio Frady will win. But you know what this guy did? He said, I feel so good that next, I'm leaving the door open for a flyweight. You went too far. You know a what I mean? Like, far, yeah. That's just too much. Um, let's not forget, you're the featherweight champ. You better start, you gotta start figuring out how to defend that one before you even, you know, explore flyweight. Flyweight just started. It's, I guess if Kyoji Koriguchi wins, that would be one hell of a fight, and that would be respectable, but I don't know. Like, get back to featherweight and defend, and then we'll figure out what you're going to do. It's a little too much. Actually, it's kind of a lot too much, but I don't completely just roll my eyes and throw things off of my desk just because it's a guy that just kind of is what he what he tells you you know he's not really a bullshitter so even if there's a little piece of him that thinks he could mm-hmm. um maybe he could but it doesn't mean that he would be competitive right there's one thing with just making the weight there's another thing of how do you perform at that weight yeah you know to be fair about a week ago i i told you how i thought valentina could maybe have a good shot at winning four titles in four different weight classes, even though she would suffer to get to 115. She already did 25. She did great at 35. And if Amanda wasn't there, there's a good chance she would have been champ. And 45 is so empty that she probably could have fought someone. You know, they stuck Jermaine and Holly the first time for the inaugural 45 belt, if you know, if you recall. Those are two 35ers. And they said, ah, you two fight for the 45 pound belt at if one of those would have been Valentina, I would have given her a shot. She's already beaten home. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, so uh, it's it at least it has some realistic uh feel to it. But let's see what Patricio can do first on on Friday. Poor Sergio Pettis must feel like the most unappreciated guy. I don't think I ran into anyone that thinks he's gonna win this weekend. That's the thing about Sergio though. There's sometimes where he looks phenomenal. And then there's sometimes where he just looks okay. He looks decent. But um, it's hard to pick against Patricio Pitbull, man, no matter what. Yeah. Look at the odds. Here are the odds on Bellator, by the way. Vadim Nenkov, he's in the main event. He defends his belt against Yoel Romero. Minus 550. Yoel Romero plus 400. This is according to Caesars. Uh, Corey Anderson, if you're curious, minus 170. Phil Davis plus 145. And where is this fight? Why don't they have the odds on Patricio Pitbull and Sergio Pettis? That's weird. It's it's not up. Hmm. Okay, I'm going to have to come back and reference that. This fight, oh, here it is, here it is, I apologize. Minus 190 for Frady, Sergio Pettis plus, one night, uh, plus 160. So I thought it was going to be worse, to tell you the truth, but it's, it's not bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. Who else had something ridiculous to say? You know, Daniel Cormier backed up his assertion that Jim Miller didn't belong in the Hall of Fame. Okay. That's his opinion. I respect it. A few other people I know have said the same thing. But then he kind of doubled down and also said, well, I don't think Donald Cerrone doesn't belong in there. And, you know, there's this camaraderie in this early stages of this sport that I've always kind of enjoyed. And I realized that I did say at one point we're going to have to grow out of it and call a spade a spade and just say it the way it is. We're technically really not all friends. I think there's a brotherhood between everyone that's helped create the sport from day one because it was a struggle, man. And so along the way, unethical stuff happened. Things that you wouldn't see in other sports happened, still happen, whatever. We're all kind of growing out of it. People's lives are more secure, their financial are more secure, and so now we're kind of making a sport out of it, right? But at the same time, we're we're only a few years removed from the Wild West. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes this sport is the Wild West. Anyway, so Cormier, I can appreciate that honesty, the way he breaks things down. But then, man, at the end, he gave this quote that was so, I felt like it was so damn cold. He said, look, if 
Miller and Cerrone make the UFC Hall of Fame, then the likes of Joe Luzon should be inducted as well, but in a different category. He says, so if, so then Joe Luzon does too, and all these other dudes like that. And then he goes, like Dion said, meaning Dion Sanders, who recently had a complaint about the NFL that too many people are getting in. He says, put him in the Hall of Fame, but give him a different colored jacket. That's just the case. It, that's quite the slight, folks. Don't don't tweet me or tell me, GG, you didn't read that right, or hell no, I read that right. I know what Dion meant. Dion was awesome. He was great, and he was trying to say, like, there was another level to the Hall of Fame, like where the gods reside, and then mm-hmm. just below them, you know, great talent that just aren't as immortal as, as the ones that are above and i i understand that i understand what he's kind of saying but i don't know man i i I find that to be like you know if if enough people have thought of you to vote you in under certain criterias or whatever then once they're in they're in you know because look at that point sure michael jordan's probably sitting there going You know, how did he get in? You know what I mean? Like, come on, come on now. You know what I mean? Like, seriously, th- there's going to be some people that might, that could technically say that about DC one day. I, I mean, I don't know. Somebody really want to be a, a jerk, possibly. Who knows? DC accomplished quite a lot as well. But, you know, Tom Brady could probably say that to Terry Bradshaw. Michael Jordan could probably say that to, you know, anyone else that might have <laughs> slipped in and, I don't know. I find that to be a little kind of cold, to tell you the truth. I don't know. Um, I, you know, I don't know if he was asked the question or he just woke up and said, I feel like talking about it. Mm-hmm. There's a difference between the two. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel a lot of the same things he, he feels. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, you know, you brought up Michael Jordan, right? Like, there are guys like this in the NBA. Robert Ori has I don't know how many rings, but we don't throw them in, right? Uh, there's just this, this, I don't know, man. Yeah, I feel like we talk about this every week. But once they're know. in, don't we leave them alone? Like, is there really a, a need to disparage someone that's in? They're in. It, it, you know, if like, you want to protect what you have, what what's going on, then yeah, I think there's there's a duty to talk about it. Um, <laughs> you know, he's the one that put in all the blood, sweat, and tears, not me. So if that's something well, that, that really about, touches his heart. Is he reaching about Maurice Smith and, you know, Sakuraba and Boss Rudin? I, I don't know. It just seems like, you know, I don't know what to tell you. I, I, I don't know. It just seems kind of unnecessary. Maybe I should say unnecessary is what it seems like. Look, Jim Miller's not in. He was asked. He gave his opinion. But as he's doubling down, you know, now he's bringing a few other people uh, with them, and even though they didn't win titles, they look to be fair, guys. Does Cormier win a title if John Jones isn't around? I mean, no, I guess I guess he does because he did win so, the Miocic. Yeah. The Miocic one was proper. There's and no a, taking that one away. And a Grand Prix belt. And the Grand Prix belt. But yeah, he was a substitute, but he, he got he got in there because I think Overeem couldn't continue. Uh, and, um. So yeah, yeah. Look, he does have some accomplishments, but um, I think he lost his first title defense against Miocic. Oh no, no, he defended against Lewis. So he would have had the one title defense, but I'm just saying that Jones didn't screw up. You know, he might have had some troubles there as well. That's what I'm saying. Things happen, and we just accept them and we move on. No one's ever really tried to take those away from from DC, but I, I just feel like. We're not trying to compare Jim Miller's stats to DC, for example, but I do feel like he attained a few things that just seem hard to to replicate. I mean, he broke it down nicely. He said, look, at least Andre Arlovsky did have those titles way back when, and he's right. Mm-hmm. So maybe titles is what he's what he's trying to say. I, you know, again, he's not wrong. It's, a, it's his opinion. That's for sure. You're looking at him more like DC the fighter. And he's transitioned more on the media side now. You know, that's part of his job now is to have these types of debates, these types of conversations. So I, I'm all right with it. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Um, the Ultimate Fighter. What did you think of episode three? Team Chandler, now 3-0 and over Team McGregor. 
So Austin Hubbard, another veteran at 155 pounds, he advances to the, the uh, I guess, the semifinals. He defeated Aaron McKenzie from Team McGregor. Remember, McGregor has the prospects. Chandler has the vets in both bantamweight and lightweight. So, um, I mean, he once he started throwing elbows, he bludged them pretty good. It went to a decision, but Hubbard really kind of kicked his ass. The, all three fights have been pretty, pretty brutal, pretty one-sided. Um, the one thing that I did notice in this week that maybe I didn't notice in prior weeks or maybe they didn't really show it, but you know, obviously Connor's not like on fight day. A, he doesn't show up to the weigh-ins, and B, on fight day, he's not really so much of a coach as he is like a cheerleader. And that's happened before, right? He's in his suit, and the three cornermen are there, but he's not in the corner. But here's what I did find kind of weird: is he can just kind of roam wherever he wants from side to side, and coach from there. And I thought that's a, that's a little odd. Um, I think it also it's a violation. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of a violation, and I think it affects the judging, man. You know, I found myself paying attention to Connor a lot and the things mm-hmm. he was saying, and every time you hear him say "nice punch" or whatever, a great punch, a great strike, like I think that sticks in the judges' heads. Like, I get it. If he's not going to be in the corner, fine. You know, we don't expect him to sit there with his hands on his lap. But maybe cut him off like a certain area, you know, like he's still got to stay within the corner or something. Like a stalker coach, just kind of yeah. give him a little. Right, he's that little box or something because yeah. he's all over the place. Yeah, it's pretty funny. You know, I don't know if he just continues to have this look that he wants to portray. I, um, my opinion is that if he were to change into Team McGregor, take off the suit. Changing the team McGregor, he's not going to lose any fans. No one's going to say, "Oh, look at him in a sweat in a tracksuit, wearing Team McGregor." No, no, you know, I think less of him because he's not in a fancy suit. No, no one's going to do that. Why not do that and kind of make yourself appear that you really kind of, I won't say give a damn because you could tell he's training like he gives a damn. But sometimes I feel like he's also just appealing to the camera every moment he gets. And maybe sliding the team without them really realizing it or him realizing it. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, look, it, 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 I'm surprised he doesn't train in a suit for crying out loud. <laughs> uh, you already change and look different when you're training. So on fight day, you know, and okay, you don't show up to, to, to the weigh-ins. Like, okay, you're you're a superstar. All right, you got stuff going on, but put on the team McGregor suit and sit in the corner and yell all you want. Right. Yeah, there's a little bit more of an effort that could be made, I guess. Yeah, he's already a superstar. He's already a badass. You don't need to kind of do all these things that set you apart. We're all over it at that point. You know what I mean? Just what you signed up for, come back and do it. Contribute and give back, you know. And and um, I think he seems to be coaching well. I don't know if it's the magic of editing or what, but to me it looks like he's coaching well and you know, obviously he has good coaches that are there when he's not there to pick up the slack. I think it's just tough. I think veterans have experience, and luckily some of these are hungry because it's a second chance or last chance or however you want to look at it. And they may, they may be picking apart prospects that still have yet to fight someone that level, regardless of the age. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they focus on him a lot. It seems like he spends time with, with his uh... – students or whatever his team it seems like he puts in the work there it seems like he's at the gym it's just uh i don't know i just maybe he's not much of an x's and o's guy i mean he tries to be during the fight um what i did appreciate is man he had the exact reactions i think i would have in this situation some of the things he was saying you could tell he's he's vest he has a vested interest in it uh but yeah if you're gonna lose the first three right out of the gate you got to do something about that. The only thing I didn't like about the episode is, again, we have another week of just Connor on his own and Chandler on his own. I want them to have a little bit more interaction. And I don't know if that maybe is the magic of editing with the UFC knowing, okay, we're having problems putting together this fight. Maybe we need to clip out some of this footage of them having these conversations. It could be that. Um 
I don't know if you noticed, but in the weigh-in, that had to have been the magic of editing because if but they made it seem like it was the world's longest stare down. Mm-hmm. But uh, but um, I think part of it was a really long stare down, but I think the other part was probably editing. But but overall, it's been fun. I've liked it. Yeah. And how about that kid, Samuel Romero, driving in from California, getting $1,200 for those action figures. He impressed McGregor, and McGregor took a few off him. Yeah, that was cool. That was especially when you find out like how he did it and all that. Mm-hmm. All right, we got a little bit more news to go through, and then I'll give you guys a final reminder of where you can catch the fights this weekend as three big leagues are in action this weekend, PFL, Bellator, and UFC. But I think right now is a good time to hear about Grant Dawson and where he may be. He's got a big fight coming up against Demir Ismagulov, or like Dan Tom likes to say, Demir Ismagulov. Um, uh, these guys are in the Coleman event at the upcoming fight night that's coming up here in a few weeks uh, here in Las Vegas. And we're going to talk to the one and only KGD, Grant Dawson, 19-1-1, this kid. What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes are back with another superstar from the world of mixed martial arts. Today we get to talk to Grant Dawson, who sports a 19-1-1 record. We're going to zero in on that, by the way. He's coming up against Demir Ismagulov, 24-2. They are the co-main event at an upcoming fight night. It's Strickland versus Magomedov. In the main event, these cats are the co-main event. That's a nice one-two punch, folks. Welcome back, KGD. How are you? I'm fantastic, man. I think I uh, appreciate you guys having me on. Awesome. Well, it's a pleasure to have you on. Your arm's going to get tired from holding the phone because we're going to talk rankings. Let's start off with rankings. How are you number 15 in the UFC rankings? Just so you know, in the USA Today Sports slash MMA Junkie rankings, you're number, uh, what do you got? Eight, eight or nine. Yeah, you're up there, man. Eight. Man, that that's that's pretty cool. Uh, I I get where it's coming from in the sense that I haven't uh, I haven't beat a lot of ranked guys. I haven't beat any of the ranked guys yet, so I think that's kind of where where they're heading. But I do feel like I don't get enough credit. I've beat uh, Mike Trezano, which was an Ultimate Fighter winner. I beat Leonardo Santos, who was undefeated in the UFC. I beat uh, Mark Madsen, who was a silver medalist and undefeated uh, in MMA. I feel like I've done a lot of things that kind of just get overlooked. And and it, it is frustrating. It, it's frustrating, but uh, it's all part of the game. Yep, and I see finishes <laughs> here too. I see triangle chokes, punches, rear naked choke, hammer fists. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like seriously, like this. This is something that's glaring, folks. As much uh, heat as the judges catch every weekend, you know, criticism every once in a while, a ref. Um, or every once in a while, an Irish superstar punching a mascot. The UFC rankings panel has to catch some heat. This is just horrific. I've been doing rankings for our website for the last 10 years. Haven't missed a week. And you ask Grant, well, perhaps it's this, perhaps it's that. No, there is no perhaps when you're 19 1 and 1, 701 in the UFC, could be 8 0 and 1 if we throw in uh, contenders. And, yeah, maybe early on you weren't fighting the higher-ranked fighters, but you're still winning, right? And so you take bigger steps as you climb the ladder. And then Mark Madsen, you gave him his first L, if I'm not mistaken. You mentioned that. That right there starts to catapult you even more. They are off. You're getting screwed, my friend, uh, by those that, that panel. Yeah, one of, one of the things that kind of bugs me about it, too, is I feel like the – so I was on the first season – of the contender series and Mm -hmm. i've got the best record uh, other than sean o'malley of course i've got the best record of anybody to come off the contender series that far back and i've beaten uh, out of my 19 wins i've only got two decisions and that's that's overall that's not just you like out of all of my wins two decisions that's it i'm a finisher and i know i'm not i don't throw spin kicks and and jump flying backwards, upside down kicks. And I think that's one of the reasons why I don't get a whole lot of recognition. But man, 
I'm a finisher, dog, and and I come out there to put on a pace. So we have to make sure here <laughs> that you also don't get caught in that circle that once was occupied by Tony Ferguson, uh, Rafaela Sunsell, current or recently Benil Dariush, Bilal Muhammad, where you had this impressive streak and you're not able to get to a title shot. You know what I mean? Like we have to do something about that because that's going to come up next. Even Arnold Allen, Arnold Allen won 10 fights in a row before he even got a whiff at the top fighters. Of course, it didn't go his way, but you know, he, 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 he wasn't, he wasn't a bum. That's for sure. He proved he wasn't a bum. So, you know, now he's talented kid as well, you know, impressive record, but some, somehow we got to build up the profile of this fight. You know what I mean? Because this, 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 this is an important fight. Yeah, I think this is one of the, the the key fights in the lightweight division. I think that I was just talking about this earlier. I think finally, after all these years, the top five guys are going to stop fighting each other. We saw Fazeev fight Gaethje. Um, now that Benil Dariush and uh, uh, Charles Oliveira just fought, I think Charles will probably get um, another title shot. I think the loser of Dustin versus Gaethje will get somebody coming up. And then I think uh, Benil Dariush, who we know will fight anybody, anytime, anywhere. He's not scared of anyone. I think he's going to end up getting somebody that is higher ranked, like like your Gamrots or or myself. So I, I do think that the division is finally starting to kind of clear itself up, which I'm super excited about. And what I was saying before we got on was I think RDA needs to be taken out of the rankings. I think he's an amazing fighter. I think if he still fought at lightweight, he should be top five but he doesn't fight at lightweight anymore. I think you should take him out of there and get Tiago Moises or, or maybe even put Drew Dober back in. Yeah. RDA definitely is a problem <laughs> for anyone that he fights. He's a stud, much respect, former champ, two divisions stand out. Cause he did well as a, as a welterweight as well. His last fight was at welterweight and his next fight is at welterweight. And I think we're going to have to take a good look at that as well. I'm speaking on behalf of USA today, sports and MMA junkie to make a good point. Now, what you know, usually the ranking panels. I, I can't speak on behalf of UFC. I can on behalf of us. We'll look at your last three years. Seems to be the the sweet spot, you know, like where you really are and what you've done in three years. Usually, most people have five fights, six fights, somewhere around there. Um, and granted, pro, uh, how about that? Granted, uh, prior to that, he did have two lightweight fights. You know, he carries a lot of stock. Once you're a former champion, you carry a lot of stock. But, yeah, you are behind him there. Uh, you're behind Favola as well. I don't want to disrespect him. He had a nice fight as well. But, yeah, 15 is just glaring as shit. I, I guess I'll change the subject. Um, but, but but again, I'm, I'm seeing something that bugs me, and that's fighters that have a good record aren't being rewarded, you know, because this is really, really quite a resume, brother. I used to tell people, if you're eight eighty percent wins, you're a problem. You're a problem for somebody. You're good. You know, you you have you have a career in the UFC for as long as you want. If you're winning nine out of ten fights, holy cow! Like your championship material, and that's the percentile you're at. Yeah, man. Um, it, I just think it's one of those things where maybe my my breakthrough fight just hasn't come yet, and I think a part of it too is it's so hard to find me competition. Not not competition. It's hard to find me fights sometimes because my when july 1st comes along my last fight will have been nine months ago so there's a long time in between i felt like i had a lot of momentum after the madsen fight and then it just kind of fell off because you know you had favola getting his big knockout over drew dober which was super impressive and then you got like these guys that are they're continuously fighting and so it's kind of easier to keep them in your mind than it is somebody like me so after madsen you were relatively healthy you could have you could have been fighting this whole time or did you have a Anything that prevented you from fighting until July, from November fought, to July? I fought Mark Madsen on November 5th. I got yeah. married on November 20th, and I asked for a fight November 21st. And it just kind of just didn't happen. And then it, there there was like short, ridiculous short notice stuff that they kind of offered where it was like, hey, do you want to fight this guy on a week's notice? And it's like, guys, I took a short notice fight in my last fight, and I missed weight. And I got a lot of heat on that, which at, as I should, 100%, if you miss weight, there are no excuses. But I can't be taking short notice fights in other countries and, and missing weight again and then making that, you know, making myself look bad. I have to be smart there. And people are like, well, why don't you keep your weight down? Of course, I'm trying to keep my weight down. Keeping your weight down and being two weeks out from a fight is completely different. 
Exactly. That's how you talk to someone who's won one in 19, not 19, one and one. Come on, USC matchmakers, get your act together. Um, so, okay. And then this is a question where I'm going to look you straight in the eye here. All right, Grant, don't mess around. Are you in the doghouse or something or, or, or what's going on? Like, do you have a good relationship with the USC? Cause you know, it, it seems like you're everything they're looking for. I mean, you, you communicate well. It's not like you struggle to express yourself. Uh, I don't think I'm in the doghouse. I don't think that they're mad at me. I think it was just one of those situations where they they expected something out of me, and I I I fumbled the ball. I I made the mistake. I I, I took a fight, and I I knew it was going to be super close on making the weight. I truly, in my heart of hearts, believed that I was going to be able to make the weight, and it just was not my night. And I I made a call. I thought. If I keep cutting weight, I'm going to end up going to the hospital and it's better to miss weight and the fight still happen than to not go to weigh-ins and the fight not happen because I'm going to the hospital. So I, I made a call. I did the best that I could do. Um, again, I'm not blaming the UFC. I'm not blaming you know anybody. It, it was my mistake and I, I, I hold myself to that standard. This fight, I've had a full camp. The weight cut's easy. It, I, I'm super excited. I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to make weight the night before. So I'm really excited to be able to make the weight and then put on a performance against somebody that is in the top 15. That will get me what I think I deserve next. <clears throat> you know, lost in the shuffle too, Grant, is the fact that we interview you before every fight. So technically we're your good luck charm, but you're welcome for that. And then my question is, in a perfect world, at the end of this year, where do you think you stand? Well, uh, first off, I got to beat Demir, and I think that a big win over him, and especially a finish over him, which is what I'm aiming for, definitely expecting this to go three rounds, but obviously if I can get him out of there, I think that's going to catapult me a uh, in front of a couple of people. Um, my plan is to fight somebody in the top 10 by December. So I beat Demir, I get ranked top 12, maybe a little bit higher, maybe top 11. And then I go for somebody in the top 10. I'm thinking uh, Benil Dariush. I know that the Chandler and Connor fight isn't happening. So if, you know, the UFC wants me to keep Chandler warm, that'll be something that I'm very interested in as well. However, Demir has my undivided attention right now. You know, if you look over his record, it's pretty impressive too. Um, if you were to look at his, his last loss, <laughs> is there anything, do you feel like there was anything um, maybe just off about that night? Or do you think he was exposed a little bit like what did you get out of watching that last fight man i don't i don't think he was exposed and uh he keeps telling he keeps telling people that he was sick that night that that he had health issues and i believe him i i i absolutely believe him however if we believe him that he was sick that night and now he's healthy and now he's you know a hundred percent the outcome of this fight there's no excuses so if he's a hundred percent which i believe he is we go in there and I beat him. There's no excuses after that. So I'm expecting the best Demir Ismagulov, but I think that just stylistically, I'm a bad matchup for him. What do you think in particular in your game within the fight uh, stands out over some of your other colleagues? I think that my control on the ground is different. Um, I feel like my striking is definitely coming along, training at American Top Team. I've got some new secrets that I've been working on striking-wise that I think you're going to see in this fight. But the main thing is always going to come down to once I get a takedown, I've banked a round. Once I get the, get the fight to the ground, you've lost this round. Don't get finished. Good luck next round. I like that. I like hearing fighters with IQ talk because we have a lot of fighters with low fighter IQ that cost themselves fight and me money. Um, so I'm glad to hear that, that, that you are thinking that way. You know, this whole thing about the judges, whatever opinion we have about the judges, those same judges are going to be judging your fight. They're going to be judging the fight this weekend. They're going to be judging UFC 290 the following <coughs> week. They're not moving the judges. So we got to work around the scoring criteria and However, it is that we think that maybe the judges are looking at it, applying it, or something this way or that way. So I like that you have a good head on your shoulders. By the way, if you're curious, you win this next fight. I don't see why you're not number six in the UFC uh, the UFC rankings. Think about it. All of them have taken one L. You've yet to take that one. You, you took a draw, but no L. And you back it up with 19 wins, and you're finishing. Like, 
I, I, you know, again, man, rankings is my thing. That's my passion. So that's why I'm spending so much time on it. Blink twice if you want me to move on to another talk, topic. Because <laughs> I can talk about this one all day. But, yeah, dog, I, I, I don't hey, think. Dog, talk me up in the number two spot, man. Start telling people, like, let's go. I show Take up. I'm going to look Dawson. at the rankings tomorrow. And because of this interview, I'm going to be, like, number three in the world. Take it easy, Grand Dawson. We can get you to six. But then <laughs> once we get you there, you hey. got to be one of those top five guys. But 15 to six is quite the jump. Hey, you get me to six, I'll get to number one. There you go. There you go. There you go. Grant Dawson joining us here on the Junkie Radio program. Damir Ismagulov, his opponent. Great co-main event that's coming up, folks. Uh, you got to check it out. So you're basically at the point now where these are the hardest workouts in about, what, a couple of weeks you start tapering down or maybe one more week or something like that? Yeah, uh, this has been a really long camp. This has been definitely a very, a very, very intense camp, and we've hit the point where – uh, it's less volume, but more intensity. So my, I'm not doing, you know, two a days every single day. There are days that I train twice a day, but it, it's more really hard in the morning and then a lighter workout at night where towards the beginning of camp, it's a really hard in the morning, hard one at night. And then, uh, and then a couple of days of rest, but I, I trust my coaches, man. I, I don't really have a say in what I do. I don't really have a say in who I'm sparring or, or what my, schedule looks like that's up to my coaches my coaches mike brown and uh tiago alves i've been with them for two fights now this will be my third fight this is the first time we've had a full camp together and i'm really excited to see just the improvements that i've made you know we covered <clears throat> tiago alves back in the day this was a big welterweight you know he was solid sometimes he struggled a little bit you know he had a couple of close calls some misses he made the important fights, and that's great. But I was looking at your Instagram. Man, you're bigger than he is. So either he just completely became a marathon runner and tapered down or something, or you cut a lot of weight, brother. Uh, I think it's he, – he's solid. I think you guys – I'm taller than he is. But, uh -huh. man, it, it's funny. He was showing my wife a move the other day on the cage, and he was like, hey, Grant, come here. Let me – and he, like – picked me up and like flexed and I felt how strong that dude actually is. And it was just like, man, that is a man. Like, holy cow. He has not <laughs> lost a step. I promise. Nice. Yeah. He, um, he was a stud back in the day for those that don't know. And you know what, to be fair, so was Mike Brown, former WEC champion. Mm -hmm. he, he, everybody think most people nowadays think of him as just that's coach Mike Brown. Well, no, he was WEC and UFC veteran Mike Brown who holds a major belt too. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that is so great about American Top Team. And I think it was one of the things that I was missing in my old gym is my coaches now have been where I want to be. You know, uh, I know that um, Tiago Alves came up a little short, but dude, he was fighting George St. Pierre, the, the consensus best welterweight on planet earth, you know, and there's no shame in losing to that guy. The guy has beat legend after legend. He got a title fight. That's what I want. Mike Brown as well. I consider that the WEC was the UFC for that time because yeah. they didn't have the weight class in the UFC. And then when UFC bought them, they just moved it over. So in my mind, Mike Brown is also a UFC champion. It's one of those things where it's like, I'm, I'm now being coached by people that have done what I'm trying to do. So I know I'm in good hands. Yeah, no, you know your history, that's for sure. Dominic Cruz, Jose Aldo, you know, those guys were killing it over there, and eventually they moved over. And and then shout out to Benavidez and, and Demetrius Johnson, you know, adding to the man and weight division. But in reality, they were flyweights. And then the UFC finally opened the gates to the real proper 125ers. So um, good stuff here. Okay, listen, listen, I'm going to ask you a question. I don't want you to think I'm being cute or nothing. You moved from Glory Fitness to ATT before what happened to Glory Fitness last year. Um, I don't believe, you can chime in, that that move was it had anything to do with that. But basically, you did what a lot of those fighters had to do, and that's just look for a new home. Um, can you tell us, like, you're, what, what, what was your reason for leaving back then? Because I think this was about a year before that you left, or, or six months uh, it all seems to have worked out fine. You, you look like a happy guy in the pictures that I saw or whatever. And I'm not trying to throw shade at the other gym at all. That gym had some success. They just having to run into a big problem. And, and that's that. But what, what can you talk about about that? And do you still have even a relationship with anyone over there? Yeah, I, I, I know what you're talking about. And like, I think it goes a little bit deep, like not like legally wise, but just 
the drama that is going on, you know, with the former glory MMA and fitness guys is absolutely insane. If you're keeping a, a keeping an eye on like Tim Elliott and what's going on with his story and just all this stuff, it, it's one of those things where if, if my life or, or if glory MMA and fitness was a TV show and we threw in all of the things that, that have been going on there, you would say, Oh, the ratings must be down and they're just trying to make the show exciting again because no way all of this stuff is happening. This is real life. Glory MMA and fitness is kind of the new tiger King. And one of the things is like, I, I tell people all the time, like James has been nothing but a good person to me. James, James and I, in my book, we're solid. Like he, he's a good guy. He's always been good to me. He's always been uh, somebody that I, I considered a friend back in the day. And, you know, we, we aren't as close as we were, obviously, but he's somebody that I, I really hope that these things get figured out. And it, I don't know what's going on. I just, you know, hear things, but it, it sounds like it's, it's about to get figured out. And I, I think that he'll be on a good end of it. So, um, you know, that, that whole thing going on. I had nothing, it had nothing to do with me moving. Um, I had a really close fight with Leonardo Santos and I bonused. And in my head, I thought that I needed to make a change. In my in my heart, I knew I needed to leave the gym and find a bigger gym and find a new pond to try to, to be a part of. But instead, I took the coward's way out and I bought a house with that 50K. And then I had a co-main event spot on a card much like this one against Ricky Glenn, who I was a minus 550 favorite against, and I dropped the ball. I went to a, a draw with him, and it was just the straw that broke the camel's back. It was the the sign that I needed. It was the the thing that I needed. Um, and so I, I decided that I was going to make a move after that fight. And then it's actually a – it's not a crazy story, but kind of a, a cool story about how I ended up at American Top Team. But I'm so glad that it happened. It had nothing to do with everything going on. And then after I left, things kind of – went crazy but it had nothing to do with me and this happens with fighters all the time they get a look somewhere sometimes it's permanent sometimes they come back i've seen tim elliott here in vegas at extreme then i've seen him back at glory i've seen julian marquez as well you know uh, over at syndicate and, and and uh extreme so this happens quite commonly I, you know and i don't think there's any problem with you looking out for yourself and i'm glad you kind of clear out the timeline uh, us as well. We always had a great relationship with James. Hopefully it does work out for the best for everyone. Until we get all the facts, we really won't know how any opinions to give other than just what was in front of us, you know. But um, listen, Grant, hey, it's always a blast talking to you. 20 minutes went by like that. 18 of them were on ranking. Sorry about that. But <laughs> is there anything else you want to talk about, you know, because, again, let's lift the profile of this co-main event. It's a big one. And like Go said, you know, what are you what are you thinking? You already told us what you, you want one more, maybe two more in in uh, 2023. I think we might be pushing it a little bit, although all bets are off. You've seen what Kevin Holland did uh, a few years ago. He did five in like 200 days. Yeah, that's insane, man. He, he's got to be making good money and, and to fight that many times. That's insane. I, I, I think I'm only going to get one more in this year. Um, the, the inactivity since I joined the UFC has just been. It's just been it's a part of it's a part of the life now you know um, i make a lot more money than i made outside the ufc so i can afford not to fight every couple of months but uh i definitely want to keep busy but i just don't see it happening i think i'm gonna beat demir and i think i'm gonna have one of the best performances of my career and i don't think it's gonna be easy to find me a fight after that so i'm just hoping that we can get something done before it's another nine months i, I hate these long layoffs i had a long layoff in between jared and uh and uh Madsen as well and it was just one of those things where the Madsen fight ends up happening but hey it's on two weeks notice and it was just one of those situations like man i can't say no to this fight i've been begging for a fight so let's 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 take it um i'm definitely not going to risk taking a short notice fight unless i know for 100 fact that my body can make the weight though so that is the one thing that's going to be different this time mm -hmm. i'm sure you will if you're already telling us the next one's going to be done by thursday it sounds like you You've made some sort of a, of an adjustment, and this will be slam dunks going forward. Um, thank you, Dan uh, Grant, for the time today. We really appreciate it, and uh, hopefully we can, again, chat with you after this fight, before the next one. We always enjoy the combo. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much. We covered a lot with this guy, man. Anything from, you know, the, the, the little culture thing going on, the drama at his former gym, the coaches that he's 
working with at the new gym. He's definitely, you know, repenting for missing weight in his last fight against Mark Madsen. So uh, that was one of the funnest chats I've had in a while with with the, a fighter, I guess, in general. He, we just covered a lot, it seemed like. He's very mature and, and keeps it real. You know, I like that. He's got a little bit of edge, but he also keeps it real. Mm-hmm. So, again, folks, this fight's coming up here on July 1st, one week before UFC 290. Girls and I will be hosting a watch-along, by the way, that weekend, UFC 290 with Volkanovski and Yair Rodriguez, Marino against Pantoja. But one week before, it'll be Strickland versus Magomedov. Uh, so this is Sean Strickland against Abus Magomedov. I know there's a lot of Magomedovs out there, so I figured I'd give you the, the first name of the uh, German Magomedov. Uh, and so Demir and Grant are in the Coleman event right before that here in Las Vegas at the Apex. All right, so before we get up, before we talk about some of the news that's out there to finish up the show, let me give you guys a quick reminder of what's going on this weekend. So we have PFL. PFL is PFL Week 5 of the regular season. We have two more weight classes that are going to be featured including the heavyweights with the main event of Ante Delizia against Maury Screen and the women's featherweight. They're not doing lightweight. They're doing featherweight. Amber Lee Rock against Larissa Pacheco. Um, the fights start with the prelims at 6.30 p.m. Eastern, 3.30 p.m. Pacific. Jorgen DeCastro's on the prelims. Um, Julia Budd, Olena Koleslick. They are all featured on the prelims, and most of these fights really, really do matter because this is their last regular season matchup before the playoffs. In the main card, you got Aspen Ladd is back, Hannon Fajeda is back, Biagio Ali Walsh. Boy, they're giving this guy a lot of love. He's on the main card, mm-hmm. along with those two other matchups, Pacheco Lee Rock, Green, and Delizia. Those guys, the main card, 10 p.m. Eastern, uh, 7 p.m. Pacific. They're in Atlanta, Georgia. Check it out. Delisia versus Green. That's Friday, June 16th. Now, the same day is Bellator 297, Nemkov versus Romero. But Dean Nemkov is their light heavyweight champion, 16-2 and overall, 8-0 and in, the, in Bellator against the soldier of God, Yoel Romero. And by the way, if you're wondering, why wasn't Romero part of that press conference today? They had it at the top of the Willis Tower, formerly known as the Sears Tower. It used to be the tallest building in America for many years, but now with all the stuff going on all over the world and in the United States, the Freedom Tower, is, I think it's the third tallest in the United States. But he's afraid of heights. That's why he kind of phoned or zoomed in, I guess, from uh, his hotel room. And uh, that's, by the way, that's your main event. And then Sergio Pettis versus Patricia Brady, Corey Anderson versus Phil Davis, Daniel James versus... Gokhan Sarakam. That main card is on Showtime at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. So two title fights and Anderson versus Dame, uh, Davis. That's pretty damn impressive, man. That's a nice card for Bellator. We're always bitching at them, and this time they came through. How can you not give them your attention? We're going to have to do the double TVs goes with them and PFL. I know, right? Yeah. And then Saturday, it's the UFC with USC on ESPN 46, Victoria against Cannoneer. Um, Armand Sarukian is back. He's got Joaquin Silva. Sarukian, by the way, talking a little bit of smack. Uh, Pat Sabatini's on the card. Nicholas Dalby's on the card. Muslim Salikov's on the card. Uh, it's not the deepest again, and I find myself saying that almost every fight night, it seems like. But, uh, you know. I think we all just find a reason to tune in. What time you say? Here we go. It's ESPN Plus at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific for the prelims, the main card. ESPN Plus, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 Pacific. Now, it's called UFC on ESPN 46, so that I would have assumed they'd be on ESPN, but we're showing ESPN Plus, which I guess is part of ESPN, but um, maybe keep an update. Keep, keep an eye on that, folks, just in case you can actually watch the fights on uh, the Swartz Leader, Channel 206, if you have DirecTV. Vittoria versus Cannoneer, though, is one hell of a main event. We, we can't bitch about that one, right? Yeah, that one I still haven't really 
That's going to be a tough one, man. I feel like Marvin Vittori maybe took a step back a little bit. Um, Canadier's tough, but sometimes he, he does a brain fart. But it should be fun, a fun fight. Mm-hmm. They're going to crack. Vittori, by the way, also having a message for Hamza Shemaya. He says if he wants it, he can come get it. And what I was saying about Armin Sarukian, he wants some of Charles Oliveira. He says that's easy work. Um, <laughs> but Hersey's got to get past Joaquin Silva. Sarukian's legit. Don't get me wrong. But the, what the, the hurt that lost him was the hurt. The loss that hurt him was that Mateus Gamrot lost. That kind of set him back a little bit. Yeah. Uh, okay, here's just a few other things goes, and then we'll bow out. Ian Machado Gary, already back in action. He's facing Jeff Neal at UFC 292 in Boston on August 19th. That's the card that's headlined by Aljo versus Sean O'Malley. That's a nice matchup, man, for the welterweights. I love it, and I love that uh, it keeps him fresh in everybody's minds. You know, It's so hard to stand out these days, uh, and this kid does a good job of not, not disappearing. It's a good fight. Good fight for him, tough fight. But I think he's going to be okay in it. Look at what they got so far for Boston, Massachusetts. Ian Machado Gary against Jeff Neal. Aljo versus Sean O'Malley. Jean Wei Lee against Amanda Limos. Brad Tavares against Chris Weidman. Cody Garbrandt against Mario Batista. Gerald Mearshart against Andre Petrosky. And Marina Moros against Kareem Silva. So, and I think they'll still add to that too, in my opinion. I think so too. So uh, they haven't been back to Beantown, I think they said, in four years. It seems like a lot, but I thought that's what I overheard. And if they can get back there, um, you know, with, with that card, I think Boston will be appreciative. By the way, Kareem Silva, like I say, she's facing Marina Morose. She just snapped Ketlin Sosa's knee like a week mm-hmm. ago, and they already rebooked her. How is it that Dawson's saying that it took nine months for him to get booked, and then this gal... Uh, she's coming back quickly, and, and probably if you would think she'd almost be pissed that she didn't get a bonus either. So she's oh, doing yeah. UFC solid. Yeah, I mean that's that's one of those moves that you just don't see every day. So you would think it would get something. Alex Volkanovski says he wants to fight for the BMF title in case he doesn't get the Islam Makhachev rematch. What I'm not clear on is does he want the winner of Poirier Gagey or does he just want him and another badass to fight for the BMF title. We'll call it the 2024 BMF, BMF uh, fight of the year, I guess. What, what do you think? To me, like, it sounded, to me, it sounded like he did say he would want to fight the winner of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that they would do that, though. <sighs> yeah, I don't. I, I, it doesn't seem realistic to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like a waste. And plus, you know, Wokonoski has five title defenses, but three are against uh, Holloway, I think. Mm-hmm. Or I know he's 3-0 well, against Holloway. Two maybe against Holloway. Yeah. One was against the Korean Zombie. Look, Rodriguez has looked so good that I guess lots of respect there. Ortega one was nice. Um, but I, I kind of would like to see him focus on Featherweight until he's ready to come up to Makachev again. That's my opinion. But I really like Volkanovski, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing we didn't say, by the way, is next week's matchup on the Ultimate Fighter, they'll go back to Bantamweights, and it will be Trevor Wells from Team McGregor against Team Marvaliev um, uh, from Team Chandler. And so what's happening here is they're going to run back the fight that was supposed to happen in Episode 2, and they're already teasing how they're messing around and talking about, you know, what weight they have to make because that's a quick turnaround to have to make weight so quick. I don't even know why really that's up for debate. I mean, that kind of just makes sense all the way around, huh? What? Not having to make, like, finding a catch weight. That's what I would think. Kind of cut them some slack. Yeah, I, I agree. Anyway, folks, all right, listen, we're going to get on out of here. Um, a couple reminders. Goes and I will host that watch along like we always do, and it's on July 8th. It's UFC 290. It's International Fight Week. It's going to be a busy week for us. We're going to be on Radio Row. For, uh, hopefully we can see you guys at the uh, event itself, the UFC Fan Expo. Uh, Trying to make it to the Hall of Fame. 
and the fights we won't be at that but we uh, will be doing the watch along at 8 p.m eastern 5 p.m pacific for the prelims and then the main card 10 p.m eastern 7 p.m pacific and then goes and i do spinning back click our weekly show where we talk about all the latest big news in mixed martial arts whether it's the stories coming off the weekend or looking ahead to the big fights that are coming up and obviously just the big news that we tackle from week to week us and our colleagues we get together at noon eastern 9 a.m pacific every monday it's live it's on youtube youtube.com forward slash mma junkie video and you can subscribe to the channel and hit the little bell so that you know when we're on live but i think you're going to enjoy a lot of the content that we have we're there for pre-fight post-fight for all the big fights including every week with the ufc and pretty much consistent with bellator we try our best to get to everything else like pfl one championship bare knuckle whatever but at least you know that uh we're, we're, we're trying to get to all of them with the staff that we have. And uh, there's so much, so much content there on YouTube. Like, for example, the Grant Dawson interview. You heard it here. But if you want to watch the video, you'll, you'll see it on YouTube in a couple days. So, anyway. All right. Let's get on out of here. Enjoy your weekend. Uh, happy Father's Day on Sunday to all of you fathers out there, including ours, George Sr. And we'll see you all on Monday. Go out and be a champion. Talk to you soon.